Chapter twenty four of Biographia Literaria. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Biographia Literaria by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Chapter twenty four. Conclusion. It sometimes happens that we are punished for our faults by incidents in the causation of which these faults had no share, and this I have always felt the severest punishment the wound indeed is of the same dimensions but the edges are jagged and there is a dull underpain that survives the smart which it had aggravated for there is always a consolatory feeling that accompanies the sense of a proportion between antecedents and consequence the sense of before and after becomes both intelligible and intellectual when and only when we contemplate the succession in the relations of cause and effect which like the two poles of the magnet manifest the being and unity of the one power by relative opposites and give as it were a substratum of permanence of identity and therefore of reality to the shadowy flux of time it is eternity revealing itself in the phenomena of time and the perception and acknowledgment of the proportionality and appropriateness of the present to the past prove to the afflicted soul that it has not yet been deprived of the sight of god that it can still recognise the effective presence of a father though through a darkened glass and a turbid atmosphere though of a father that is chastising it and for this cause doubtless are we so framed in mind and even so organised in brain and nerve that all confusion is painful it is within the experience of many medical practitioners that a patient with strange and unusual symptoms of disease has been more distressed in mind more wretched from the fact of being unintelligible to himself and others than from the pain or danger of the disease nay that the patient has received the most solid comfort and resumed a genial and enduring cheerfulness from some new symptom or product that had at once determined the name and nature of his complaint and rendered it an intelligible effect of an intelligible cause even though the discovery did at the same moment preclude all hope of restoration hence the mystic theologians whose delusions we may more confidently hope to separate from their actual intuitions when we condescend to read their works without the presumption that whatever our fancy always the ape and too often the adulterator and counterfeit of our memory has not made or cannot make a picture of must be nonsense hence i say the mystics have joined in representing the state of the reprobate spirits as a dreadful dream in which there is no sense of reality not even of the pangs they are enduring an eternity without time and as it were below it god present without manifestation of his presence but these are depths which we dare not linger over let us turn to an instance more on a level with the ordinary sympathies of mankind here then and in this same healing influence of light and distinct beholding we may detect the final cause of that instinct which in the great majority of instances leads and almost compels the afflicted to communicate their sorrows hence too flows the alleviation that results from opening out our griefs which are thus presented in distinguishable forms instead of the mist through which whatever is shapeless becomes magnified and literally enormous casimir in the fifth ode of his third book has happily expressed this thought me longa silendi edit amor facilesque luctus hausit medulas fugerit ocius simul negantem vis regiusuris ares amicorum et loquasem questibus evacuaris iram olim curendo destinimus queri ipsoque fletu lacrima perditu nec fortis aeque si per omnes cura volat residetque ramos vires amices perdit in auribus minorque semper dividitu dolor per multa permissus vagari pectora 
i shall not make this an excuse however for troubling my readers with any complaints or explanations with which as readers they have little or no concern it may suffice for the present at least to declare that the causes that have delayed the publication of these volumes for so long a period after they had been printed off were not connected with any neglect of my own and that they would form an instructive comment on the character concerning authorship as a trade addressed to young men of genius in the first volume of this work i remember the ludicrous effect produced on my mind by the fast sentence of an autobiography which happily for the writer was as meagre in instance as it is well possible for the life of an individual to be the eventful life which i am about to record from the hour in which i rose into existence on this planet etc yet when notwithstanding this warning example of importance before me i review my own life i cannot refrain from applying the same epithet to it and with more than ordinary emphasis and no private feeling that affected myself only should prevent me from publishing the same for write it i assuredly shall should life and leisure be granted me if continued reflection should strengthen my present belief that my history would add its contingent to the enforcement of one important truth to wit that we must not only love our neighbours as ourselves but ourselves likewise as our neighbours and that we can do neither unless we love god above both who lives that's not depraved or depraves who dies that bears not one spurn to the grave of their friend's gift strange as the delusion may appear yet it is most true that three years ago i did not know or believe that i had an enemy in the world and now even my strongest sensations of gratitude are mingled with fear and i reproach myself for being too often disposed to ask have i one friend during the many years which intervened between the composition and the publication of the christabel it became almost as well known among literary men as if it had been on common sale the same references were made to it and the same liberties taken with it even to the very names of the imaginary persons in the poem from almost all of our most celebrated poets and from some with whom i had no personal acquaintance i either received or heard of expressions of admiration that i can truly say appeared to myself utterly disproportionate to a work that pretended to be nothing more than a common fairy-tale many who had allowed no merit to my other poems whether printed or manuscript and who have frankly told me as much uniformly made an exception in favour of the christabel and the poem entitled love year after year and in societies of the most different kinds i had been entreated to recite it and the result was still the same in all and altogether different in this respect from the effect produced by the occasional recitation of any other poems i had composed this before the publication and since then with very few exceptions i have heard nothing but abuse and this too in a spirit of bitterness at least as disproportionate to the pretensions of the poem had it been the most pitiably below mediocrity as the previous eulogies and far more inexplicable this may serve as a warning to authors that in their calculations on the probable reception of a poem they must subtract to a large amount from the panegyric which may have encouraged them to publish it however unsuspicious and however various the sources of this panegyric may have been and first allowances must be made for private enmity of the very existence of which they had perhaps entertained no suspicion for personal enmity behind the mask of anonymous criticism secondly for the necessity of a certain proportion of abuse and ridicule in a review in order to make it saleable in consequence of which if they have no friends behind the scenes the chance must needs be against them but lastly and chiefly for the excitement and temporary sympathy of feeling which the recitation of the poem by an admirer especially if he be at once a warm admirer and a man of acknowledged celebrity calls forth in the audience for this is really a species of animal magnetism in which the enkindling reciter by perpetual comment of looks and tones lends his own will and apprehensive faculty to his auditors 
they live for the time within the dilated sphere of his intellectual being it is equally possible though not equally common that a reader left to himself should sink below the poem as that the poem left to itself should flag beneath the feelings of the reader but in my own instance i had the additional misfortune of having been gossiped about as devoted to metaphysics and worse than all to a system incomparably nearer to the visionary flights of plato and even to the jargon of the mystics than to the established tenets of locke whatever therefore appeared with my name was condemned beforehand as predestined metaphysics in a dramatic poem which had been submitted by me to a gentleman of great influence in the theatrical world occurred the following passage oh we are querulous creatures little less than all things can suffice to make us happy and little more than nothing is enough to make us wretched ay here now exclaimed the critic here come coleridge's metaphysics and the very same motive that is not that the lines were unfit for the present state of our immense theatres but that they were metaphysics was assigned elsewhere for the rejection of the two following passages the first is spoken in answer to a usurper who had rested his plea on the circumstance that he had been chosen by the acclamations of the people what people how convened or if convened must not the magic power that charms together millions of men in council needs have power to win or wield them rather oh far rather shout forth thy titles to yon circling mountains and with a thousandfold reverberation make the rocks flatter thee and the volleying air unbribed shout back to thee king emmerich by wholesome laws to embank the sovereign power to deepen by restraint and by prevention of lawless will to amass and guide the flood in its majestic channel is man's task and the true patriot's glory in all else men safelier trust to heaven than to themselves when least themselves even in those whirling crowds where folly is contagious and too oft even wise men leave their better sense at home to chide and wonder at them when returned the second passage is in the mouth of an old and experienced courtier betrayed by the man in whom he had most trusted and yet sir alter simple inexperienced could see him as he was and often warned me whence learned she this oh she was innocent and to be innocent is nature's wisdom the fledged dove knows the prowlers of the air feared soon is seen and flutters back to shelter and the young steed recoils upon his haunches the never yet seen adder's hiss first heard o oh, surer than suspicion's hundred eyes is that fine sense which to the pure in heart by mere oppugnancy of their own goodness reveals the approach of evil as therefore my character as a writer could not easily be more injured by an overt act than it was already in consequence of the report i published a work a large portion of which was professedly metaphysical a long delay occurred between its first enunciation and its appearance it was reviewed therefore by anticipation with a malignity so avowedly and exclusively personal as is i believe unprecedented even in the present contempt of all common humanity that disgraces and endangers the liberty of the press after its appearance the author of this lampoon undertook to review it in the edinburgh review and under the single condition that he should have written what he himself really thought and have criticised the work as he would have done had its author been indifferent to him i should have chosen that man myself both from the vigour and the originality of his mind and from his particular acuteness in speculative reasoning before all others i remember catullus's lines desine de quoquam quicquam bene vele mereri aut aliquam fieri posse putare pium omnia sunt ingrata nihil fecise benigne est immo etiam taedet taedet obesque magis ut mihi quem nemo gravius nec acerbius urget quam modo qui me unum atque unicum amicum habuit but i can truly say that the grief with which i read this rhapsody of predetermined insult 
had the rhapsodist himself for its whole and sole object i refer to this review at present in consequence of information having been given me that the innuendo of my potential infidelity grounded on one passage of my first lay sermon has been received and propagated with a degree of credence of which i can safely acquit the originator of the calumny i give the sentences as they stand in the sermon premising only that i was speaking exclusively of miracles worked for the outward senses of men it was only to overthrow the usurpation exercised in and through the senses that the senses were miraculously appealed to reason and religion are their own evidence the natural sun is in this respect a symbol of the spiritual ere he is fully arisen and while his glories are still under veil he calls up the breeze to chase away the usurping vapours of the night season and thus converts the air itself into the minister of its own purification not surely in proof or elucidation of the light from heaven but to prevent its interception wherever therefore similar circumstances coexist with the same moral causes the principles revealed and the examples recorded in the inspired writings render miracles superfluous and if we neglect to apply truths in expectation of wonders or under pretext of the cessation of the latter we tempt god and merit the same reply which our lord gave to the pharisees on a like occasion in the sermon and the notes both the historical truth and the necessity of the miracles are strongly and frequently asserted the testimony of books of history that is relatively to the signs and wonders with which christ came is one of the strong and stately pillars of the church but it is not the foundation instead therefore of defending myself which i could easily effect by a series of passages expressing the same opinion from the fathers and the most eminent protestant divines from the reformation to the revolution i shall merely state what my belief is concerning the true evidences of christianity one its consistency with right reason i consider as the outer court of the temple the common area within which it stands two the miracles within through which the religion was first revealed and attested i regard as the steps the vestibule and the portal of the temple three the sense the inward feeling in the soul of each believer of its exceeding desirableness the experience that he needs something joined with the strong foretokening that the redemption and the graces propounded to us in christ are what he needs this i hold to be the true foundation of the spiritual edifice with the strong a priori probability that flows in from one and three on the correspondent historical evidence of two no man can refuse or neglect to make the experiment without guilt but four it is the experience derived from a practical conformity to the conditions of the gospel it is the opening eye the dawning light the terrors and the promises of spiritual growth the blessedness of loving god as god the nascent sense of sin hated as sin and of the incapability of attaining to either without christ it is the sorrow that still rises up from beneath and the consolation that meets it from above the bosom treacheries of the principle in the warfare and the exceeding faithfulness and long-suffering of the uninteresting ally in a word it is the actual trial of the faith in christ with its accompaniments and results that must form the arched roof and the faith itself is the completing keystone in order to an efficient belief in christianity a man must have been a christian and this is the seeming argumentum in circulo incident to all spiritual truths to every subject not presentable under the forms of time and space as long as we attempt to master by the reflex acts of the understanding what we can only know by the act of becoming do the will of my father and ye shall know whether i am of god these four evidences i believe to have been and still to be for the world for the whole church all necessary all equally necessary but at present and for the majority of christians born in christian countries i believe the third and the fourth evidences to be the most operative 
not as superseding but as involving a glad undoubting faith in the two former credidi idioque intellexi appears to me the dictate equally of philosophy and religion even as i believe redemption to be the antecedent of sanctification and not its consequent all spiritual predicates may be construed indifferently as modes of action or as states of being thus holiness and blessedness are the same idea now seen in relation to act and now to existence the ready belief which has been yielded to the slander of my potential infidelity i attribute in part to the openness with which i have avowed my doubts whether the heavy interdict under which the name of benedict spinoza lies is merited on the whole or to the whole extent be this as it may i wish however that i could find in the books of philosophy theoretical or moral which are alone recommended to the present students of theology in our established schools a few passages as thoroughly pauline as completely accordant with the doctrines of the established church as the following sentences in the concluding page of spinoza's ethics deinde quo mens hoc amore divino seo beatitudine magis gaudet eo plus intelligit hoc est eo majorum in affectus habet potentiam et eo minus ab affectibus qui malisunt partito adque adeo exeo quod mens hoc amore divino seo beatitudine gaudet potestatem habet libidines coascendi ad quia humana potentia ad coascendos affectus in solo intellectu consistit ergo nemo beatitudine gaudet quia affectus coercuit sed contra potestas libidines coascendi ex ipsa beatitudine orito with regard to the unitarians it has been shamelessly asserted that i have denied them to be christians god forbid for how should i know what the piety of the heart may be or what quantum of error in the understanding may consist with a saving faith in the intentions and actual dispositions of the whole moral being in any one individual never will god reject a soul that sincerely loves him be his speculative opinions what they may and whether in any given instance certain opinions be they unbelief or misbelief are compatible with a sincere love of god god can only know but this i have said and shall continue to say that if the doctrines the sum of which i believe to constitute the truth in christ be christianity then unitarianism is not and vice versa and that in speaking theologically and impersonally i e of silanthropism and theanthropism as schemes of belief without reference to individuals who profess either the one or the other it will be absurd to use a different language as long as it is the dictate of common sense that two opposites cannot properly be called by the same name i should feel no offence if a unitarian applied the same to me any more than if he were to say that two and two being four four and four must be eight Alabroton ton men kenephrones archai exagathon ibalon ton dao katamemphent agan iskun okeon parasphalen kalon keros elkonopiso thumas atalmos eon this has been my object and this alone can be my defence and oh that with this my personal as well as my literary life might conclude the unquenched desire i mean not without the consciousness of having earnestly endeavoured to kindle young minds and to guard them against the temptations of scorners by showing that the scheme of christianity as taught in the liturgy and homilies of our church though not discoverable by human reason is yet in accordance with it that link follows link by necessary consequence that religion passes out of the ken of reason only where the eye of reason has reached its own horizon and that faith is then but its continuation even as the day softens away into the sweet twilight and twilight hushed and breathless steals into the darkness it is night sacred night the upraised eye views only the starry heaven which manifests itself alone and the outward beholding is fixed on the sparks twinkling in the awful depth those suns of other worlds 
only to preserve the soul steady and collected in its pure act of inward adoration to the great I am, and to the filial word that reaffirmeth it from eternity to eternity, whose choral echo is the universe. Theo, Mono, Doxa. End of chapter 24 End of Biographia Literaria